When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and my least favorite kind of joke is anything that goes, this did that. That would be like if this other thing did that other thing. I'm Tommy Rico, and my least favorite joke is anytime a male comedian does the dumb female voice to try to prove that they're smart instead of just saying, I hate women and going to therapy. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and my least favorite kind of joke is when you have to specify that what you just said was, in fact, a joke. <laughs> We may not have worked that long in wrestling, but we've done more comedy than a fair amount of wrestling (laughs) folks, whether they believe it or not. And I don't know that they know it. And that brings us to a new segment. John is not Russo. Okay, so Vince Russo, friend of the show, he did us a favor a few weeks ago. And so I hate to speak ill of the favor bearing, but I mean, he tweeted this today. So... It was about comedy and wrestling. And Russo's had a few opinions, and we're going to get to another of them later. But this is our territory. And so if you want to go ahead and call us wrestling marks, fine. This is where I start calling you comedy marks. And I want to specify that most wrestling people and people in wrestling, I'm going to say about 99% are giant comedy marks. You are marks. You could not work professionally in comedy just as I would not work out well and did not work out professionally in wrestling. You are marks. That's how I look at you, the way you look at me. It's fine if we're at that understanding. But here's the thing. I understand that, and I don't think you quite do. So I just want to, here's what Vince Russo said. Seriously, wrestling is known for bad comedy. They just don't know how to do it. Now, I don't disagree with that. So maybe I am Russo to that point. But then it gets kind of weird. Last night would have actually been funny. He's referring to Monday Night Raw, Vince Russo. Last night would have actually been funny if there was a Festivus celebration. Then feats of strength to settle their differences would have made sense in all caps. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, last night was December 5th. Everyone knows Festivus is on December 23rd. And second of all, what the fuck? And I'll let you guys take it from there. He <laughs> I think just it's, ended it's important. his sentence at that. Like, don't pitch an idea because you pitching an idea immediately just makes me say, like, yeah. oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But it, I'm it was sorry. like he kind of he, I will say this. He made his point. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, OK. Oh, man. I mean, it, it's important to point out that um, 
Seinfeld on Blu-ray and available for streaming yeah. is not a sponsor. <laughs> and uh, if you wanted to do a Festivus celebration, you'd have to pay for that shit. Um, you can't just take ideas randomly. I know that no. Vince Russo yeah. in the 90s and early 2000s wanted to tap into the cultural zeitgeist and, and borrowed did heavily. Quite well. Yeah, did he did, quite but he well. borrowed heavily from the Howard Stern show. I think he would admit as much and has in interviews. So there was a lot of like hot lesbian action and that kind of stuff. Well, hold he, on a second. That was post-Russo. HLA was post-Russo, but it was definitely, if, if Russo, I'm sure it was an old Russo pitch that they just resurrected. <laughs> I mean, he was, How he can was you say heavily that, influenced. Can, really? Oh, yeah, heavily influenced by the Howard Stern show. And has just, anyone ever been, I don't know, that's a good point. Has anyone ever been outed as the hot lesbian action? Because first of all, <laughs> that might be the shittiest thing. I think hot lesbian, that was worse than, like Katie Vick, at least you're like, okay, it's Kane, it's weird, maybe they could, oh shit, and then when they executed it, bad idea. Hot lesbian action, no part of that was <laughs> any good at all. Well, and then I mean, Billy and Chuck, oh, we're straight, was pretty bad too. I mean, that was, that, that like, was okay for a bit and then it closed horribly well um, through no fault of their own i mean no absolutely I, I thought not billy and chuck i mean my god the professionalism those guys took with that and i think they like prop you know what i'd love to see and you won't see it because it's wwe you know you know how it goes is like you know they had that would have been a great dark side of the ring episode it had those guys not gone and just started you know i'm not gonna say sell out but i mean what do you call it when you're making movies with the company uh i don't know they bought into you i guess um that would have been a great dark side of the ring and i'm disappointed they didn't get to that the whole chuck and billy because they were over like the fans were surprisingly like let's go for this and they were on the today show and everything and it was like yeah that was something that got over by mistake and all these people that say like dude the bischoff reveal at the end oh and i go yeah awful <laughs> i go i don't mind the bischoff part but man not good for that storyline and you guys had something on your hands and uh really fucked it up the bischoff part actually may have been the best makeup job in the history of yes. wrestling yes it absolutely it was just, everyone a uh, bischoff yeah. has said himself that he fooled everyone backstage other than the people that knew it wasn't bischoff they just thought it was some old guy playing a part they thought he was an actor so oh, that, that was, was an great. amazing job but just what a wait, but like, man, for, but for the, for that story, though, that storyline should not have, you know, they played with fire yeah. and then they had, they wrote, they wrote themselves into a corner Bishop, but man, that was not that they had, that thing had potential and they could have gone a different way with that. But in terms um, of, in terms of I'd comedy, love to, I'd during, love to see the whole Vince Russo's of, uh, era, it wasn't good. It's all available on Peacock. You can look yeah, back and it's all really bad. It aged like milk on the beach. It was really terrible. Well, Tommy, I got to call you out because you just did a that's like joke. Oh, so there you bad. go. Not so easy. Huh? If I do it in a British accent, will hmm. it make more sense? Not so easy, huh? <laughs> hmm. See, got you back. Um, I did your least favorite kind of joke. Julie's uh, playing a little injured today. So if, if Julie's saving her voice, it's to jump in and, and cut us off before we get ourselves sued. So thank you, Julie. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, but uh, well, let me, I'll move on to it. But you said it, there was tons of bad comedy and that was kind of the next thing on the agenda. Is you're right. Is wrestling known for bad comedy? But 
I disagree. I think during the Attitude Era, they had tons of funny stuff, but it was funny stuff from performers who knew how to make it funny. It was from, I mean, The Rock, Mick Foley. Um, I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin's a funny dude, and he was not thought of as a funny guy in that time, but he's funny as shit. Like, well, I thought that all those price guys Price check funny. on a jackass was pretty funny. <laughs> in oh, the, God, Booker, the Booker T segment. Price then, check on a jackass! Yeah, we'll get to that segment. So, well, actually, let's talk about that segment, because that is widely heralded as one of the most... Everyone loves that segment. I do. I, <laughs> I really is do. Is this when they're in the I grocery store? Yes. Yeah, but I don't love it because I don't like that Booker gets no offense in. No, I didn't like that either. And, and that was I'm, a running I'm theme sorry, with Booker maybe over I'm, the years. Maybe I'm being, quote, sensitive, but if you go back and watch the visual of that, not a good look all the way through. Booker should have gotten some shit in, and Booker's a guy who could have delivered some really fun lines. So, yeah. Booker was the, like the Don't consummate professional, and people forget, because he's kind of a thinner guy, that he's massive. He is a big, tall, strong, legit guy. And he never should have been a posi- in a, any position where he wasn't getting offense in. I totally that agree That should have been that. a Peter Griffin versus the chicken. Like, that could have been a really funny back and forth. Both those yeah. guys grabbing the intercom. I mean, you could have got, made it twice as funny. And also, like, but like, also, like you just said, Booker T is not some local enhancement talent. Booker T is no, Booker like T. six, five, six, six, a legit street fighter, yeah. like dangerous guy. He kicks him out. Like, and yeah, there there's no was, reality. And but, I know you're going to say they're in a grocery store. Okay. Well, two things. First of all, we've seen some real grocery store fights <laughs> over the past few weeks. And second of all, uh, Booker T is black no way, Friday season. There, there's no way that Booker doesn't get land a couple hard blows on stone cold. In that but John, situation. if you remember that era, how many, of anybody was getting off offense in on Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was a problem with I booking mean, Austin. Even Vince McMahon wasn't my uh, greatest wrestling comedy moment of all time. Bedpan easily, easily in my mind, because not only was it funny, it was also a wrestling move like this was they were fighting and it was it was that is that, the greatest comedy. It, moment. it was yeah. a great and you're hitting your boss who's a dick who's a, it's just like there are layers there that make something that probably potentially happened on set where they just picked up a bedpan and said, this would be really well, funny. Well, that's the story. And I think it was eventually in one of their documentaries, but as you know, Julie, Vince would bring that up at least once a week. It was always anything right. Back me up. Yeah. That he would Vince himself. And he was kind of mostly serious until some, until, you know, Bruce would say, Hey, look over there. And they, you know, he'd focus on that, but I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm just saying that, you know, Bruce knew to get, like, let, yeah, let's maybe not do that again. But any idea that had to do with, like, I guarantee, as we're going to get to with uh, Riddle being written off last night, I guarantee, you know, as he's going to that ambulance, there's that part of Vince that's going, hmm, wonder if they could get a bedpan into the ambulance. And like, <laughs> what a sound that would make in the ambulance. An ambulance pan. And it's like, and he would legit pitch that. And the, the infamous hospital story, he had brought up the bedpan. So, yeah, he knew that, but he also told us a story one day, and he talked about it in a documentary, that uh, Austin kept walking back and forth in the hallway just going, ping, ping, ping. With, did you hear the story, Julie, when you were there? With the pan, and then, because I've heard he's told it a lot, and then, and then he came back in, and, and Vince said, eh? Like, uh, you saw this, right? That when Vince would ask people how they did things, it was in a very funny way. He would kind of break character. He kind of said, like, what are you doing over there? Like he would kind of turn into like, he would like legitimately kind of be like, Hey, what's this? Like he would get like very like curious. His voice would kind of change. 
And I guess he went like, hey, what are you doing out there? Like that's ending. And Austin said, I'm thinking about using this to hit you over the head. And he's like, think you can make it make that cool sound. And went, I'm going to try. And he's like, we only got one shot. And not, you know, not knowing that he, he have, was working acoustics on a bed. He was not knowing that you could have Kevin Dunn come in as the police academy guy and just go ping, ping. And see, but that's where it post. wouldn't have worked if it didn't make the sound itself. If someone tried to splice in the sound, it would have totally. It was been the ruined. funniest thing of all time. It was yep. the funniest. But let's isolate this. Let's isolate yeah. this. That was one of WWE's funniest moments. Legitimately still funny today. Still funny without the sound. If you watch the gif of it, that's a laugh. I mean, there's a, yeah, that is consistently going to yeah. work. And then, even him pounding on Vince's ankle with the with the uh, cast the, on ah, it. Oh, that's hilarious. Ah. And then uh, he takes the uh, defibrillator to clear. <laughs> so so we look back at the best moments of like WWE comedy. We mentioned The Rock. You know, a lot of rock stuff doesn't quite His rock hold impression. Up, it, it, when, some, most of it holds up better. And then that situation. What doesn't hold up? You know who really wasn't good at comedy? The person who's running the company now. Look back at moments of Triple H doing any kind of comedy, and it is not great. Since Triple H has taken over, a lot of the humor's gone, but it doesn't feel like he's, it feels like that's a conscious decision on his part. It feels like 24-7 went away. We haven't seen our truth even before the injury. Uh, he, you know, Tazawa's back, but he's kind of just Tazawa. There's not really a whole, I mean, he stole the cowboy hat. There you go, Bruce. You got that in again. Um, and, well, and, you know, and by I, the way, I, just to mention, it tickles me Akira in a fun way, it reminds been me of Randy Savage. Won. So, okay, fine. That's funny. Good nostalgia trip. Akira Tozawa has show. been one of the best things on Raw for the last two weeks. One of the only good things about Raw in the last <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, I was going to say that says something. <laughs> well, Becky, though. Becky's been great. I've, oh, I've no, of course. Becky. That's leading, yeah, that's leading the Red Sox in home runs, yeah. basically. We'll, we'll like, get to okay. that, but... yeah. Uh, Akira Tozawa yeah, is a talented performer and has a lot of charisma and man has, they have done nothing with him. And all of a sudden they used him two weeks in a row and he's a ball of energy and the, the crowd was responding to it. I loved that. I will but, say that in my time there, someone very high up and uh, won't name them. Someone I'm not particularly fond of Julie. I don't know. I'll let you speak on your own behalf at some point had an idea for uh, Tozawa and Headed around for a week or two. And, you know, we didn't want to speak up because it was just like, okay, we don't want to get yelled at. And um, I'd say the one time that Paul Heyman was like offended by something was at this idea. It was just a very racist idea for Tozawa. Shocking. And, and that's probably why you haven't seen as much of him. It's that anything that came across for Tozawa was just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> this is... So should you apologize? Do you want to write the, t the apology tweet like before we do this or just like, but uh, yeah, like Paul, even Paul Heyman was like, are you suggesting that we make Tazawa blank, blank, blankety blank? And it was like, and the answer was, yeah. And then we all, uh, I think I left. I think I walked out of the room <laughs> and I waited See, until I, I still, I, cause Paul wasn't even yelling. He was doing his like, like he was like trying to cover. He was kind of like, you really think that Bubba, like, you know, okay. Paul was always like that. I've, I've told the story before about how I used a, a bad word in a scripted promo. And Paul called me himself five minutes later. Say, I've just deleted that email, sir. I strongly suggest you replace the word with blank, blank. We do not use that word and put it in print. Do you think he was handing this it was, person It was the word extra, bitch, extra by the rope? way. And it's from one guy to another. Huh. Do you think, was he, like, was, even, do you think he was handing this, this writer some extra rope, basically? Uh, I think he should have. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 
I think Paul should have let should have let this person go in and pitch it because then Paul a lot of Paul's problems never would have happened. See, because I'm a wrestling nerd and not a racist, when I look at Tazawa, <laughs> I see a guy who's number one, he's a handsome dude. Number two, he's tiny. Number three, he's got a ton of energy. He's a good high flyer. He's a good worker. He's a guy that you can do a lot with. And, and that's it boggles my mind that he's been basically just sitting and catering for however long. And then these two weeks, they put him on TV and it works and they still don't let him win. You really or, think it's working though? Because I got to be honest, I it do. just feels like uh, he got know, over it two weeks I know, in a row. Tom, the guy but got was over. It good? But, but like, I'm sorry. Don't, it, does it feel genuine to you or is it, is it playing into the stereotypes to me? No. Like, I steal cowboy hat or I steal hat where I was like, oh God. So he's doing a Bond villain Asian accent. I don't, I don't think it's great, but I think what he's doing in the ring is getting him over that, yeah. the backstage okay. stuff. I hate. That's so, what I'm getting at though, right. is their WWE is all about characters. And so if we're talking comedy and stuff, I don't think that's good comedy. Would you agree no, with that? Absolutely okay. not. Now here's where we get to it, where you say wrestling's known for bad comedy. What's the top storyline in WWE right now? Sammy the bloodline. bloodline. The, the bloodline. goddamn bloodline for, bloodline. for what? Six months Easily. now? I mean, like, it's and unbelievable. And you know what's depressing, John? It should be Bray Wyatt. His comeback and that lead up and everything, they, that, that answer should be Bray Wyatt. And Bray it's Wyatt's not, not even, the, no, it's not even, that's not even, I mean, the bloodline I know is on both shows technically, but no, Bray's not even in top. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I, but. I don't know if you, I, if, if you both agree, but I think part of the reason the Bray Wyatt thing is not working is because there is no levity. It's There's all none. darkness. There's no, yeah. that like Firefly Funhouse had funny moments. It had insider stuff that if you, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, that oh, you yeah. understood it had a couple of funny jokes here and there, but there was at least something to, to at least consider comedy. And now there's nothing. It's just pure darkness. And that, it, that doesn't work either. There's no ebb and flow there. There's a gif for every situation from Firefly Funhouse. I mean, we, we, we send it to each other all the time. That man was, I deserve that. You know, that's the, and then the shit. You know, like, I mean, tons of great stuff. Just the clown nose like always that. makes an appearance. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I think that, like, but that just goes to show you that that's the number one storyline. And it's because at the front of a wrestling show, I do feel like because of the Attitude Era, fans come in kind of wanting to laugh. They want that excitement. They want some fun. They're here for fun. What's the, uh, are you ready for a good time is, the, is how the goddamn song goes. <laughs> We're not, we're not here for a mean time. We're, not here, we're here for a good time. So fans want to laugh and fans want to have a good fun. So that, and then you see what happens at the end when something goes awry and Sammy's there holding his hands to his head going, oh no, that you feel that because you're like, oh God, this was the guy that was, had every, the world in the palm of his hands at the beginning of two hours and now he's in trouble for the weekend. And it's like, it's that contract. And I will go back to, Back in the Attitude Era, Mick Foley, when he was playing Mankind, and he was trying to, it was kind of the same character, because he was, at, well, let me rephrase this, nothing's like Mick Foley, there is no other Mick Foley, but the character, in a way, served the same purpose, working with the corporation, because Vince, you know, didn't want him around, and they, he was driving him crazy, he was kind of like uh, Sami Zayn with the bloodline. By the line. way, real quick, Mick started the segment in the hospital before stone cold came yes. in and hit Vince Mr. with the Sacco. bedpan. Yes. That was and the again, unveiling of Mr. Sacco. There you go. And there you, so there's a, that is why it works. It is a contrast. If you have good comedy to set us up and let us up, then when the action kicks in, 
then you go, then it hurts even more. And look so at that variety there. You had Mick, you yes. had Vince, and you had Stone Cold all in that scene. If they're, if all three of them aren't involved, it's not as compelling. No. And it's like, and you needed all, all those dynamics. And it just goes, it's just this thing. And Mick Foley said himself in the Attitude Era documentary that there's this whole thing where it's Mick and a whole bunch of people talking about the role comedy played in wrestling. And the way you structure it is like I just said, you start off funny. And I don't mean overwritten 11 minute long, or there's one, we had one that was like 18 minutes, right? A seg one a few weeks ago, 17 and a half minutes, nonstop of ball jokes and bong jokes and dick jokes and feet jokes. And goddamn, I think we were, we were, we were doing the hokey pokey at some point and we ran out of body parts and they just went to commercial and they came back and had more. And it was just like, Oh God, like, no, but you know, when you start off the show with a genuinely hot, funny promo where you give someone two or three lines here, there's something to use. And also just as Bruce would say, Hey, it's live, go out and have some fun. Um, you know, then that sets things up so that when you have that dramatic moment at the end, but what I see so much from WWE is the show starts on a down. Sometimes it starts on a downer and ends on a downer or it starts on a downer and has kind of a blow off. Yay. Right syndicated Saturday ending or it's just kind of flat across the board. I don't see the contrast. So there has been good comedy in wrestling. You're seeing it now from Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is a guy who is the embodiment, the spirit of the attitude era. He's a guy who's gotten himself over. He's done it himself. He clearly breaks script. He clearly goes off. What and he's I would say Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn, the two of them together, I would watch three hours of that. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> but you know, though, I, I, I would watch I you pitching that to Paul. That, that would be my show. I would just I do, sit in the corner and go, "Hmm." I do want to put was over what Roman I did there and, anyway. But I yeah. do want to put over Roman in all this though, because he directs traffic. Sure. Roman has sure. a yes. great sense of humor. Yeah. yeah, he has excellent timing, and he's kind of like Dad. He plays and a good straight all man. The bloodline, they're all his like weird. He kids. knows what's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Roman, I'm going to go out there and say it. Roman Reigns, he's like the Jim Burroughs of directing wrestling comedy. He's not a particularly funny fellow himself, but he gets it. He gets the timing. Jim Burroughs was, of course, the creator of and uh, often most times director of Cheers. And uh, just while we're there, um, sad to say we lost the great Kirstie Alley uh, a couple nights ago and a huge loss for Cheers. But a great show to study, I will say, for anyone in comedy, especially if you were cutting wrestling promos and there was a scene that went viral on Twitter a few weeks back where it's uh Frazier coming in and he starts talking about Ingmar Bergman and then they confuse it with Ingrid Bergman and then it just keeps on going. And I would say, that's a great scene to watch if you want to just learn the timing, because right now I see a lot of you go blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now it's my turn. No, I'm going to talk. And it's just, that's how you get to these, Six minute segments that end up being eleven minutes, and I'm just dead. I I'm think just, for, I'm for wrestling, sweating like, from my neck from watch. It's like a bad stand up set. It's just like, for, oh god, please just pull the plug, start the. It, and I feel like sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but Julie, would you say it's fair to say that sometimes, especially since he's uh, the person in command, Bruce just sometimes hits the music, sends the next person out, maybe. Oh, maybe bombing. I didn't work with Bruce that closely, so it's. It's I just can't imagine him sitting through someone bomb. I'm sure that like there was a Bailey one a couple weeks ago and a Finn Balor one that someone's music started. And I was like, 
Yeah, that was a, that was award show music. <laughs> that was KO's okay. music last night was super delayed. Bruce was not on the button last night. Did you guys like Riddle was like, and I have my partner, and then it was just like I was like, no one's coming out. Guys. Was Bruce there? I know Bruce from listening to something to wrestle the the original the OG wrestling podcast. I know he's going on vacation soon. And do you know? Do you know what? Hey, uh, so do you know who else is sick right now? And I hope I'm not being like you know the the cadaver sniffing dog here. But Steven Tyler has oh, been no. hospitalized and he's had to miss some shows. Oh, dear. And I know that Bruce was talking on his podcast about going to Vegas and, you know, what the highlight of his trip is supposed to be. Oh, no. Seeing, seeing Aerosmith for the first time. Oh, that sucks. So, no. yeah. So anyway, for many reasons, we hope Steven Tyler pulls through. I'm a yeah. beacon of uh, positivity here today, guys. Um, quick, quick thing about uh, last night's rock. Did, you, did either of you get the sense? Because I just we just mentioned Bailey. Uh, did either of you get the sense that idiot Becky Becky wanted to have way more fun with <laughs> idiot, that idiot idiot idiot, and uh, she just see couldn't. I fixed it. No, yeah, you well, didn't. But fix it. in that in that segment where we had Bailey and uh, Becky in the ring face to face, it felt like Becky wanted to have way more fun with that segment and just couldn't because Bailey yeah. is so in the weeds now that there they couldn't play. So it was just, it was basic and I felt bad. I felt bad for both of them, but I felt really bad for Becky who looked like she, she was trying to get something out of Bailey and just couldn't. And yeah, Bailey just it, it reverts back a, to the script. It wasn't a Sammy Paul chemistry. I don't know. Maybe no. I just, I didn't feel a chemistry between Again, the two of them. I want to, I want to point out in all fairness and I like Paul, but the reason there's chemistry there is it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the real Paul Sammy Zane relationship. So like, okay, some credit, but like, yeah, with Becky, it did feel a little bit like a um, stiff talk show interview where it was just like, you know, the host is, as Julie has, can, has seen this happen, the host is motioning one segment, you know, yeah. like, wrap this up. You Throw know, a commercial. Not playing them. Yeah, you know, or we're, you know, mid-commercial. We're going to come back and play a game with, you know, whoever. I actually loved the dynamic in the ring between Asuka and Becky. I consistently yeah. remember seeing yeah, they them in the ring story. and they have fun and they have chemistry and it's super engaging. Not only do they have chemistry in the promos, but in the ring too. Like that Most I yeah. felt was they really like powerful. They each other and they trust each other. I, I just will say this, that the, I only speak English and some French uh, as I'm from New Hampshire. So that's, that's all I know. Um, but for me, as someone who doesn't speak the language, it worked because their chemistry and the way they told a story was uh, reminiscent of like Alex and Latka on Taxi, where you got what Latka was saying because the way they worked off each other and Judd Hirsch was so good at reacting to Andy Kaufman going, well, yeah, that is true. You know, it's like, you're like, okay, I get where the turns in the conversation are. So I got it. It's just in a weird way, we've said this before, <laughs> maybe it's a less is more thing <laughs> just speaking because the more verbiage they squeeze into these promos, no one talks that way. Like, it's just like, no one would talk that no one who wants to like in any sense, no one in the world would be out there for, with someone they want to destroy that they've been thinking about for a week beating up and talk to them for 10 minutes. That would go three minutes before someone wastes the other one. But you and in the to, attitude era that happened and it was you, believable. You have to allow them to be themselves. Like, you know, who was super funny. And I would, I would defy anyone to go back and watch this person's work and tell me that those promos were letter by letter to the script. Go watch Eddie Guerrero. 
When Eddie oh, Guerrero God, yeah. was backstage, he was consistently hilarious, and there is no way he was working from a script. He was probably working from an outline, but yeah. there is no way he was working word for word from a script. Eddie brought the comedy out of everybody, too. Remember Dave Batista and how limited he was when he first started? He yep. was a monster, and he, but he had a tremendous charisma. Who brought the comedy out of him? Eddie Guerrero. Eddie made uh, Dave Batista. I mean, Dave Batista just, uh, he's retiring his Drax the Destroyer character. So last, the last couple of weeks, they, uh, Disney Plus now has Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which Dave got to basically play front and center. He's normally the heater of the Guardians, and he got to be the star of this little holiday special. And the Guardians Volume 3 trailer dropped. And so Dave Batista, a lot of the fact that, I mean, he, Dave really worked on his craft, but as far as Dave being a funny monster, credit that a lot to Eddie Guerrero. And I know Dave does. Yeah. And that's where it started. Um, well, why do we think some of these guys, I mean, again, T Tommy Rico, he came up with it. He called them ego-driven old heads. I think that's what you called them. Uh, and then you mail, you send it to CM Punk. He sent you 75 bucks and congratulations. Um, I, I'm still but, waiting for the 75. Well, it's, it, he, yeah, it's, he's gone. He's busy. I know. I've heard he's going through some things. Um, but I will say, uh, why do we think it is some of these guys? I mean, I'll just name them because they, these are people who put themselves out there. So it's Jim Cornette today, Vince Russo, which is so strange. Cause like <laughs> the fact that they would, like, first of all, I was surprised that Russo would just say that wrestling comedy is bad when he came from an era where it was kind of pretty good, I would say. But anyway, Cornette, Russo. Russo switched know, to decaf or something this week because he just tweeted a shitstorm yeah, of it was bad unlike, ideas. It was unlike. And then, uh, so Cornette and then, um, you know. Dutch Mantel. It, yeah, like Dutch Mantel said some stuff like that, which was so surprising because in the Andy Kaufman, a and &E, uh, biography of Lawler Kaufman, Dutch was the biggest fan. Like Dutch w carried that thing and he made all the good points about why it worked to the average person. It was so weird to see the different take come out. Well, and yeah, there's Eric, something in and the Eric air. Bischoff who frankly, Eric is a very smart guy and Eric does have an appreciation for comedy. But ag again, Eric, I think a lot of these guys, they feel compelled to be the hottest of the hot takes because that that brings the most eyeballs to their product. That being said, when you're a hot take, like if if you're consistently doing hot takes, most of them are going to be shit because if well, you're Eric, looking to make a hot take, it's you're already you're already on the wrong path. But here's the thing. Eric in real life is not the same Eric as you hear on the podcast. No, I'm I, sorry I for that. blowing that gimmick because there's. <laughs> There's another comedian and we're still, we're on good terms and everything. Everything's cool. Uh, you could probably figure it out who it is. If you go back and look at my IMDB and people I've been telling you, but there's a certain comedian who's famous for being mean on stage and being a little terse who in real life is a sweetheart. And I said that and I got myself in trouble. So I apologize to Eric Bischoff, who was always very nice to me uh, in the short time we worked together. We had, I think two or three sit downs where we tried to work on some stuff. And, um, but he's a nice, I find him, I found him to be a nice uh, guy who's matured. As, as he is, himself has said, he was, he's now a grandfather. He had a grandfatherly like vibe and he was perfectly pleasant and not at all the Eric fires back guy. So, okay, I get it. People are different on podcasts. The one person I will say, and I've said this before, that is entirely consistent in real life as he is on his podcast is Bruce Pritchard. And so like, and Julie, 
maybe you could bet. I mean, he, Bruce is. Uh, I have not listened to his podcast. so. <laughs> <laughs> but smart ass, right? But I mean, he's a guy that'll bust balls or just make a joke or say, well, that sucked. And, you know, or just make fun of it or whatever. And so a lot of times when I see this stuff, I feel like that's aimed at Bruce. When I see people saying comedy doesn't work, and I'm like, I know who that's at. You know, it's I feel like they're aiming it at the one guy who knows how to kind of make comedy work in wrestling, which is Bruce, because he's as he talks about, he's got what four brothers and he, I think he's one of the youngest ones. And yeah, and went through a hell of a up and down journey. And yeah, he's just nothing phases him. And so he's funny all the time. But other than that, like do, any other reasons you think these guys just these all these guys that claim to love comedy, that claim to love stand up, that claim to love cartoons that claim to think everything's so funny and then hate any element of it in wrestling. Why? Well, I think it comes down to we, John, you and I both know of a great example of an older white guy who loves comedy to the point where he's consistently absorbed in it is Jay Leno. Jay Leno is a guy that he literally had a, an engine fire in his, in his garage and is back on stage doing an hour a week and a half later. Yeah. It, but Jay is consistently writing. He loves comedy. There's a, there's a twinkle in his eye when he just talks about comedy, let alone yep. is doing jokes. A he lot will run of, jokes. Uh, if, you, if you're on the phone, he'll go, hey, well, I got you. What do you think of this one? It's, and it's <laughs> yeah, like pretty fucking He can't amazing. help himself. It's a compulsion. Yeah. But a lot of other older white men, their senses of humor don't evolve with the times and are stuck back to a time when they thought things were funny. So they're naturally becoming grumpier and they're naturally becoming more confused as to why things are changing. And that you used to be able to say this, and that is most older white men. And unfortunately that, so anytime you hear these older white guys talking about cancel culture and you can't say this and you can't say that it's all just projection. It's, it's, it's this like confusion over the present, let well, alone what I, the future will I, be. I will say this though. There are a lot of what I call grandstanders. And those are people that I think are that really, I don't think anything all that traumatic has happened to, but they're now riding the coattails of people who've really been through shit and stood up. So I'm not trying to be a both sides kind of person, but like I, the world, all you have to do is look at the world, look at Twitter, look at the news. I mean, it's a shit show right now. As I said, it's, if you took, a bunch of Furbies in the nineties took like 30 Furbies and put them in your car trunk and just forgot about them for a year. Yeah. That's the planet right now. But, um, I will say that to, you know, to, to Cornette's credit, he did say he liked Sammy Zane and which, you know, Sammy you responded on Twitter. Stupid to not like Sammy Zane though. Like your level uh, of like, if I you know, don't like yeah. Sammy Zane, then but he also, but he's also shit on Dan Housen. He's also shit all over orange Cassidy. And that's bullshit. Like, it's like, that was very like, come on, man. And, um, you know, so yeah, I think it might just, here's what I'll say. Um, there are some shows where right now I'll say, uh, boy, that's not as good as it used to be. And I could sound like an old white guy and an evil driven, uh, whatever ego head or whatever it is. Uh, Tom wrote Julie's help. <laughs> but, um, here's my defense is I will say, listen to the audience. They're not laughing. I'll say, and then I'll, then I'll quote someone else. I'll say, stop me when I'm telling lies. Cause they're not laughing. Bobby fish, but, right? That's who said yes, that. Yeah. That, 
<laughs> yes. And speaking, speaking of not and laughing. And boy, were people not laughing at that. <laughs> yeah. You oh, could hear God. the silence all over the world. I can't uh, believe that didn't blow up more. Something else must have happened that weekend or something, because I thought that. I was like, that's Oh, the gifts clip. were out there, and the, the video was out there. It, it made the rounds. You know who I, it dude, is? Dude, I'm telling you, if I was running, if I was running a late-night monologue still, I know that's wrestling, but I would have been like, I would have put it in the pile. I would have been like, this is one of our five pitches. And I think it probably, Julie, I probably would have gotten through, right? If we had a couple of jokes <laughs> on it. I think so, yes. uh, A man said to an, are- an, an arena of people, a line, and no one responded. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in wrestling before. I've never seen just silence in an arena to a line. Granted, I haven't performed it in an arena, but to that, to the, until then, that's the first time I've seen it. But um, you know who well, is funny in the ring, by the way? They just came back. The Elite. When you watch the, no, uh, when, when you watch the Jackson brothers and you watch Kenny Omega in the ring, what they're doing right now, they're not doing comedy bits but they're consistently entertaining and funny in the ring. I mean, the trolling of CM Punk, but also they do so many little things that are so entertaining. They are funny without ever having to tell a joke. And that's important in wrestling. A lot of it isn't. Most of wrestling should be in the ring. So that's where some of the comedy should lie. And that's, again, when you have two technicians Working against each yeah. other, two big people working against each other. You need styles clashing. It's very, it's very, very boring to see two very good wrestlers go. You know, you need something extra, and that's where comedy comes in. When did it become that it's only in backstages that funny things are allowed to happen? And by exactly. the way, that's that's both promotions. I got to call them both out. And I mean, we always talk about things, but I'm always like, that's always a backstage. You know, it's like one of the great things of the Austin McMahon back and forths and, and, and the rock and triple H back and forth. There was a crowd. It was like watching two comedians, you know, do the bump mic things and like try to like roast each other. And it was like, why, when did we get to, when was it like the brand extension, like Oh two Oh three that all of a sudden everything had to be a backstage skit. And then everything else was just, you know, like it just I would disagree that AEW, I think AEW has a lot of comedy in ring and a lot of like great facial expressions and moves that you don't see on WWE. And it's specifically, it's not just the elite. It's not just Kenny Omega. It's not just Orange Cassidy. There are a lot of people in the promotion that do things that somebody at WWE would stop before they made it to TV. They're That's not true. too over the top. And that WWE is becoming a very mechanical product. It is this person versus that person and that person wins. And then the next week they they go, it's like 50, 50 booking. Gosh, what was everyone looks the same. What was the match that happened? There was a match that happened when I was there. God, it was, I don't know if it was ricochet. There was a match that happened like five weeks in a row. And I remember Aaron Blitzstein being like, Oh my God. I was like, or he's like Shelton Benjamin or somebody. There was some match. Oh no! Wait, I can remember it. Hold on, it was uh, it was Drew McIntyre and Ricochet. Like we went to that so many times, and there was one time every now and then you'd pitch your your episode, you'd pitch the full thing, and I had one week right, a good one. I had a hot one where I got like I think three or four things in. But what killed me was it was almost like monologue writing, where it was like the hacky joke you write. You're like, please don't pick this one. Mine was Drew McIntyre versus, um. Uh, uh, ricochet and then i was it was kind of my like throw in and i you had to write like why and then uh they went like vince was like i like it and i'm like oh no <laughs> i felt so bad <laughs> that i almost did but i didn't because i didn't you didn't want to ever like 
you know, you didn't want to make the team look bad, but I remember uh, I was getting breakfast and Drew McIntyre was next to me in line at catering. And I really wanted to be like, Hey, I'm really sorry that <laughs> like you have to do this again. And, uh, but yeah, I don't, but it's, to me, it's been like that. It's not just the, this guy, it's just the whole product feels very, um, you know, we're not, I, I don't want to make more enemies here, but like Saturday night live, Saturday night live backstages between the host, you know, and with the, I would say this goes all the way back. The one exception might be the Steve Martin, not going to phone it in cold open from Saturday Night Live, which is, I think, the best the best thing. I never want says King Tut. To me, that sketch, sketch he did with the not gonna phone it in. T- How can you not feel excited about anything you're doing in life after seeing that? Like, anyone's gonna, perform, sketch. anyone's gonna perform anything should see that. The whole thing is perfect. That aside, most backstages at SNL with Lauren talking to the S, those feel very staggered and very very stiff and it's almost designed that way. And they almost make jokes about it. They have the same people walk. They have the Abe Lincoln walks back behind them. They have the, the camel that goes across. Yeah. The alpaca. That's right. That we all see. Oh, the alpaca's here. Someone big must be backstage. Mick Jagger must be here. And so, um, you know, it's like, even on that show, they are very short interstitials that are designed as calm down moments designed as we need something to fill while we rebuild sets and get between. And WWE tries, it's like they make them four minutes long and you got Bray Wyatt yelling at a chair and I'm like, what the F is going on here? Is he uh, channeling Clint Eastwood? There, there you go. But John, why did the Steve Martin <laughs> song work points, so well? Points. Why, why do we still remember the Steve Martin song after all these years as an all-time great sketch? It's because they involved everyone in the cast and they allowed everyone in the right, cast yep. to show their uniqueness within the song. So yeah. each of the people that were in the song got to do something that was uniquely themselves in the in the the structure of this great song. WWE doesn't do that. They throw everyone backstage in this dumb card playing sketch. Yep. And it, they don't allow anyone to do anything by except way, JBL, who's not a wrestler anymore. By the way, why tweet that out? When they tweeted that out, like... You know, there's been the conspiracy theories out there that Vince is shadow running things or whatever. But man, when I saw that, like, the big promote and Julie, you've done social. And I'd love to hear Amanda's take. I mean, we know what it would be. But when I saw the big selling point was the JBL poker, I was like, wow, are we punting this early on that? Wow. Why even bring that up? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I mean, nothing against JBL. If that's part of the show and it's used to forge storylines one, two or three times. Yeah, sure. That's a fine backstage. But that was a selling point. You know, I agree with that. Quick uh, side note to the SNL thing. How weird and spooky is it that the two people that get highlighted in that song are Chris Farley and Phil Hartman? Yep. You know, all these years later. But anyway, to get things back on the track on a comedy note, let's just ask the obvious question. Okay, we always hear about then wrestling people shitting on comedians and, and marks like us. Okay, so we're comedy people. We're calling them marks. What wrestling people would have made good comedians? And I don't mean good for wrestling. I mean, genuinely good comedy. You could, this is your full-time job now. Like I'll say in the NBA, Charles Barkley is funnier than 99% of actual comedians. He could and should go be a real comedian. Um, in the wrestling world, who, who would those people be all-time? All-time number one's got to be Bobby the Brain Heenan. There you I mean, go. One of the funniest human beings that ever lived and absolutely could have been a stand All crowd work. He would have been Don Rickles. He didn't need yep. any material. He had Anybody a line else? for everything and did, even as he, as he was sick with cancer, was still just on it and funny and consistently great. Uh, Bobby was, I, I can't think of anybody better than him. I think if you look like in the way, way past, like Nick Bockwinkle, because he was just mm. very verbose, I think would have been interesting yeah. as a stand-up. Um, I'll throw one at you that's a wild card, but if you watch YouTube and Twitter especially, some of the clips that circulate, Mean Gene. I think Mean oh, Gene would have been a hell so of a goddamn comedian. He would have headlined. Bobby would have been the guy coming on as the middle to do the crowd work, and then Mean Gene would have been the, the hammer that closes the show. His fucking hilarious. Mean he Gene would have been, been the guy that was he would work clean and then just say fuck and bring the house down. <laughs> Like say it towards uh, Becky, the end of his Becky act. Lynch, Becky Lynch, super funny. I think yep. super funny. She can Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah, Kevin Owens. Our truth, I think, is yep. Is yeah, oh God, yeah. he makes everything better, and also yep. the ideas he brings are super funny. Oscar, I appreciate Oscar's meme humor. When talking about Twitter, when she tweets some things where it's like Simpsons photos, and then the heads on top, like her head on top of a Simpsons photo. It's so funny. I just like her. She's a social her, media genius. Like Oscar's really so good at social funny. media and very funny. Danhausen, I think could yep. have his own comedy career. Orange well, yeah. Cassidy. You guys should. follow Orange Cassidy oh, on TikTok. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Lord Alfred Hayes. Have you ever heard some of the stories about Lord Alfred Hayes being yeah. unintentionally funny? Because there's a, I'm going to name drop a friend of ours, Peter Bowers who's a, a, a British comedian in Boston, who's an older gentleman. Oh, I love and Peter. I see, and I see him sometime. And I'm like, Lord Alfred Hayes could have easily, he could have gone out there and been sort of a, I don't know about a headliner, but he could have been a good middle that goes out there for 25 and does the British humor. Bruce, obviously. But Bruce, Bruce would have, I don't know. Like, Bruce is more of a, he might be more of a story. Who would be a good host, good MC? Would you want to MC your show? Oof. Well, WWE would immediately put Titus O'Neil out there to do it, but I, I say Mick, I say Mick Foley. I yeah. say Mick because he can work the crowd. He's warm and he can put everyone over. Jake, can, the snake rem- was really good at stand up. I mean, he was, you know, he's not a traditional stand up. He's a storyteller, oh, yeah. but he understands where the funny goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. And then, um, I've heard RVD is funny. Yep. What about Sherry? Because Sherry, like, sh- I feel like, I feel like she could have been good as a, as I'm trying to think who I'd compare her to, but I feel like there could have been like a Kinnison vibe if Sherry was really allowed to let loose 
from her yeah, promos and stuff. I think and with I've Sherry, heard, everyone she says was, she was hilarious. Like she was a brilliant person backstage. Yeah, she would. Uh, the thing that would hurt her was her sweetness. She was like a legitimately sweet person. And well, I think not if you talk to, to Sapphire, have... apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I won't go there. That's yeah. not our podcast. It's not our story to tell. Um, but you know who I think would have made a great comic, and I think he should have gone for it. Maybe, obviously, maybe instead of coming back to wrestling, I think Punk would have been great. Yeah. I think I look at Punk, the way he cut a promo, and it's like, man, if you go back in a time machine and say, hey, uh, Phil, you got a choice here. Uh, I want you to take a look at how viral George Carlin's going right now and how beloved you are. And I want you to also take a look at these, quote, children you're going to go work with. And I want you to decide what's the best path for you. Yeah, Punk would have been... Everyone, he, everyone has their true love, so he picked... I don't blame him, but, you know. I think Punk would have been, been the George comedian. Carlin of comedy, and uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan would have been the Rodney Dangerfield of comedy. And those are the two highest honors I can bestow on any wrestler slash comedian. What about, what about Lawler? we got to throw him in there. He's involved with the most famous storyline of all time with an actual comedy. His stuff was just so canned, though. Like, there, wouldn't there he was be an Rodney? insincerity to him. To me, he's Rodney, though. Nah, Bobby's Rodney. No, Bobby's would, Rickles. Um, Tom, no. I know you don't like Rickles. I think to me, Bobby's the insult comic guy and Jerry's the can't get laid guy. And you know, there's each place. Anyway, Jerry, Jerry's Henny Youngman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, anyway, I think we've settled it that there are funny people in wrestling and there can be comedy in wrestling. And I think one of the reasons there isn't is, uh, well, a lot of the funnier writers are union people and uh, you don't hire union writers either place. I don't know. We'll get into it towards the end, uh, the help that Tony Khan might need. But um, the reason it's, you know why it's not funnier is because you, you don't have a ton of funny writers and you, and when you do hire them, you don't want them to be there. And funny people are not the toughest bunch. We, we can have very thin skin for people that with tough, tough lines and we go, bye-bye. And then you're not funny again. Not everyone's Brian Gwertz or Bruce Pritchard or any of those folks. I think it can be funny, but I think uh, as long as the current system's in place, it won't be. Fair to say? I think so. Okay. It's time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. We're going to keep going with Vince Russo here. And I've only read about this. I didn't read the actual thing, but I saw it all over the place. Uh, apparently, he opined that Seth Rollins will not be a Hall of Famer in the WWE. I mean, maybe in his Hall of Fame, but in the WWE Hall of Fame, if he retired today, yeah. he'd go in. Yeah, I mean, like if he is, goes out and pulls an OJ, okay, sure. But like right now, his outfits alone should allow him to be in the Hall of Fame immediately. If they ever well, have a physical Hall of Fame, there's a, I want to go to the Seth, God damn it. You're, when, someone's going to fuck me over and rib me with that, aren't they? Like there's someone I know, if they have a physical Hall of Fame, one of you guys or somebody, or Tom Brunel or somebody is going to, Say, oh, we're taking you someplace today, and they're gonna blindfold me. It's gonna be the Seth Rollins wing of outfits, and I'll <laughs> That's just my go. Favorite okay, man, fine. I think the Met. I think the Met should invite Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch to, oh, to God, be a yeah. part of. The, I I really I would love to see their interpretation for the Met Gala. Because so everyone would make a big deal out of it, and it'd be like they're not fucking even trying. This is their going yes, to the this gym is their gimmick. and or the this yeah. is they're going to the movies at one p.m. on a Sunday outfit. Yes. Did awesome. you guys see, by the way, just uh, not that it's a Seth thing, it's an MJF thing, but did you notice that uh, MJF in his uh, anti-Regal promo or his, his turning on Regal promo, 
He was wearing a suit that the pinstripes read better than you. Yep. <laughs> which is amazing. But so Seth Rollins, because I I follow Vince Russo on social media, uh, Vince has been on one about Seth since Seth wore the lingerie type outfit, which I didn't. I didn't feel one way or the other about it. It was just like, it's a Seth Rollins yeah. outfit. I will say it felt like Seth was trolling people. I didn't it felt like he it. was trolling. Uh, and, you know, and it worked. It, it, it was brilliant. beyond. It was, I know, but it was like, it was a little bit, look, man, I didn't care one way or the other, but it did feel like if you come out of that going, can you believe people said shit? I'm going to be like, Seth, come on. Like, well, if, like you wore that for them to say shit and it worked. Okay, so I but will that was say, I will say it wasn't really consistent with what you're doing right now either. It was just a weird, it was like when, uh, it was like Shawn Michaels coming out in the biker shorts that time in the nineties when he was just wearing the biker shorts and did the thrusting. It was like, okay, that is your character, but you don't dress like that's crazier than you normally dress. We've talked about it on the podcast ad nauseum. I have had issues with some of Seth's presentation but it's because I don't like the giggle. I don't like when he goes too oh, over God, the top. That's so awful. I like when he's he stays burn in the out pocket. His throat too. The the closer Seth is to Seth Rollins, the person, I think that that works for him. When he starts to go too Joker, too comic book villain, it 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 doesn't. It bothers me. That being said, when the microphone goes away and you put him in the ring with anybody, he's yeah. maybe the best wrestler working today. There's, I mean, he's just, wow. he can't have a really? bad match. He's amazing. That's high praise. I mean, at the end of the year, you know I'm going to bring it up again. I still think my match of the year was him and Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble. That match, match was flawless. Well, but, the, the finish part, which is a pretty important part of the match. Well, but we know Seth wasn't going to win. So it, I thought as far as what it was, it was one of the most entertaining matches possible. Yes. And I think that's a feud to build on in the future. I think that I think that was a tease of things to come. But Seth Rollins, if you hate the presentation, that has nothing to do with the work in the ring. And he's one of the best. He's an amazing wrestler. So that's, so just, all, that's just being we all obtuse. Agree. He's all but he's a Hall of Famer. We all agree. First ballot. Yes. Okay. Three, three for three. And by the way, if if there weren't all the politics and stuff. If just based on creative, I'm this will rile some feathers. I don't fuck. And not just the one on Seth's pants or whatever he's wearing right now. Um, just to clean dishes and shit. Uh, but I mean, creatively and uh, Russo might be considered when I mean, you look at the impact he had in the late nineties. I mean, if we're talking impact in wrestling, so it's just, uh, maybe that's what it is. But anyway, Seth Rollins, hall of famer. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement. Uh, okay. So moving on riddle written off good or bad. Good. Yeah, yeah, good. Maybe through no fault of his own. Just we he need needs a, a repackage. We need a breather. He needs, he yeah. needs a, a new Titantron, new music, new gear. He, he yeah. it's, he's stale and it's he's flat again. He carried things for a long time. I he just did want to qualify. We're not buried. We're not. It's just that it's run its course. You know what it kind of when reminds you say me he of, carried things. Do you mean he and Randy Orton? I feel like things? he gave Randy Orton a. Yeah, that was a that was we that was kind of like Sammy in a way where we never thought that would last as long as it did. And he kind of gave Randy a new life. Not that Randy needed it, but like, you know, there are Gen Z fans now that may not know and love Randy Orton the way that we do that do because of the work he did and getting to see him be in there with the guy they liked. And really were the most overact in the company for yes. at least six months. RK bro is huge. And um, it kind of reminds me of the Godfather a little bit 
where there it's one of those things where it's like, okay, he's a stoner that doesn't wear shoes and he, he makes these goofy jokes, but how far can we go with this? And I want to caution you, Tommy Rico. That's my concern with orange Cassidy a little bit. And I think there's more orange can do, but I do think they made the right move and having, um, it'll be written off. And also, you know, it depends on what you see and read, but there's been a lot of reports that if Orton comes back and that may be an if, because it reads to me when I read the Randy Orton articles, it, I don't know about you, Tom. It reminds me of the Larry Bird articles in like 91, 92. Yeah, we're like, talking lower spinal fusion. Yeah, it's not good. Like this does this. You might come quote, quote, come back, but it might last a couple weeks and then you're not. So maybe I mean, it would be cool to see RK bro come back for one last run. But yeah, I think that you bring when Riddle comes back, you bring him back as a surprise baby face or does he come back as a different character kind of as a heel? I'd like to see them retool him completely. I'd like to see him as a heel because, again, his reactions, he's been coming out to nothing. So you might as well turn him heel. He hasn't been a heel already. That would be a fresh presentation. They, how does they that need work, to do though? something. How's, how does he work as a heel? I don't know. Have him troll the audience coming out as a babyface, pretending to be a babyface, and then turn on somebody beloved. Huh? Well, there you go. Yeah, that's, uh, that's as good a way to do it as any. It's just not um, working right now. Yeah, I mean, you can you can hear it every time that he's on the screen. There's no reaction. Yeah, it's a little flat, and you know, and he's still doing a good job. It's just like the fans are like, okay. Uh, my my fear sp- is Bianca Belair is headed down that that like. Well, by has, the way, she, Bianca Belair turn in her spare time winning bodybuilding competitions on the weekend. Yeah. Bianca Belair is such a special athlete, and that so. Different from Riddle, Bianca has basically stayed completely controversy-free off-screen, and she is an amazing performer, an over-the-top great athlete, but there's, again, it's that presentation, it's that staleness. I think Bianca the person is way more interesting than Bianca the character that they're giving us, and I think that's the problem. I don't know whether a heel turn would work for her, but let her be cool. She's a cool person. Don't, you know, don't make her this, like, just plain baby face, which they have, they have this awful tendency to do. I think, I think what they may do, and I think it's worth a shot to get another series out of them is turn, is do a double, you know, it, it wouldn't really be a double turn because they're both baby faces, but I think she needs to turn and have Becky stay baby face. And then you go that way. And I know it's not what they were trying to do, but it's just, it's the ebb and flow. You know what I Despite mean? Despite what I want, Becky will never be heel again. She's just too over. Julie, and, and uh, Julie's nodding, by the way. We have the Julie nod of approval. So yeah. I liked her as I, I liked her as big time Bex. I thought she did a good job in that role. I thought it was different and fun and I think she played around with it. She's just too good as the man. That's the that's the real problem. She's just Fans too freaking like her. good as the it's man. Like, it's like Tom, I know you say that like when Rock and it was great when Rock came back as a heel in 03, but oh, the best. He could yeah, but he didn't get all the way over as a heel. Like, he was at best 50-50. That crowd was still rooting for The Rock. And I felt like the same way with Becky. Did you feel that? You guys feel that? Oh, yeah. They were like, they were like, maybe nah, 60-40. We, we like, yeah, we, we still like Becky. So, and I still say she'd make a hell of a Saturday Night Live host. I agree. Well, and she's, she, so. last night off air, she closed the show. She, she said goodbye to the fans her, and, and her wished Cindy them Lopper, well. Her Cindy Lopper on Young Rock. Jesus Christ. Did you both Cindy Lauper and Cindy Lauper? So she, uh, Becky Lynch, was supposed to be in the Eternals. 
Uh, she filmed a scene in Marvel's The Eternals, which I'm one of 12 people that really like that movie. Um, <laughs> but she was cut. So she did film a scene for a Marvel film that got cut. And hopefully she'll, she'll film something down the road. I mean, she's too talented not to. But All right. We're going to skip through the poker game because we already talked about that. Can I just say uh, the one lines that I, that I really did like? Okay, the one sure. thing yeah. about it was yeah. um, when JBL kept calling it a classy joint. Like, this is a classy joint. <laughs> I don't know why it was just a very self-aware at the very least. It was the most self-aware yeah, thing to say. Like, that was the a, least think, classy thing in the well, world. He and Bruce are tight. And that felt like an, that felt like a running joke that they were probably <sighs> making all day. And it was funny on the air. Yeah. Who is it? You know Every what made time me feel the worst? Good comedy. Good comedy. That was some good comedy in that. But you know what yeah. made me feel the worst about it? Uh, R.I.P. Dexter Loomis, man. Oh, just okay. So here broke we go. My let's heart get to into see it. him in that segment. So let's my so heart. Now, is Loomis with Gargano now? Are we doing the same storyline? Is Loomis just going to be the guy? Like, is he going to be like that, like the roommate that keeps moving in with the married couple to crash on their couch? Is that his gimmick? I, I don't know. I'm what in for it that. Is. I could go for that. That could be some decent comedy. The roommate, the, the creepy roommate from that just doesn't talk and drinks all your milk. And the wife keeps going, when is he going to leave? And then you switch it around. And then it's uh, like, it's. Becky and she's like, why don't we, why don't we take him in? And then Seth's like, ha ha ha. No, he's annoying and weird. And we just keep going through every couple. No. Okay. I felt like I was, wow. I just had a flashback that I was back in Stanford. Holy shit. There's the, uh, there's the beverage, uh, barn across the street. I'm here. (laughs) Here's, Um, here's a crazy idea. Why don't we let Dexter wrestle? Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. No one wants to watch wrestling on wrestling. They've been, we've been told that. Okay. We'll talk about that more in the weeks to come, but Alexa bliss is, is she coming back as by the way? I mean, I don't know. Maybe she is, but if she is, wow, real, real subtle with the doll there, guys, (laughs) which she didn't take with her to the ring. No, it was just just, hanging on a ladder backstage. What's more silly warming up. What's more silly. And this will take us back to the early days of turnbuckles when we were first getting going. Uh, the doll just kind of there or Vince and his golden egg. What was more silly in terms of just a, yep, we see it sight gag. There the it, gold, see the, it. The rock's there golden egg felt like it was decades ago. Oh my goodness. I just like to imagine that the rock didn't even know that was happening. Oh, there's no like way to imagine because they were in Australia. I think shooting. I just like that. He woke up and Gortz was like, did you see this? The fuck? Like, I just imagine him being like, like it was done without his permission. And and Vince being like, he'll be he'll be fine with it. That felt I'm like a like, lifetime ago. But Alexa, but I'm just saying, I mean, yeah. as far as what they're teasing, she she almost got she almost hit a sister Abigail during the match, uh, and there was a little bit of screen stuff behind her when she was warming up backstage. It's still it's just too slow. It My is God. so slow. You taking t- too long. Yeah, it is. We're like, I would say, if it's her, fucking do it already. And if it's not, you've already, te- you've, you've decoyed us like four times now. So now I'm like, all right. And then when the wolf shows up, yeah, I don't care that they're crying. I'm yeah, like, we're okay. back to the Max yeah. Dupree LA Knight situation. Just change the name. You don't have to stretch it out over four weeks. Nobody cares. Just change the goddamn name. And he would well, have been hi- LA well, Knight Tommy, weeks as ago. You know, they, they hired a very good uh, Hollywood producer to come yes. in and do their long-term storytelling. When are, when's the idea going to be, uh, what if the host comes out and dances at the beginning of the show? Because that was his main credit. Anyway, um, 
Am I wrong? Hey, stop me when I'm telling lies. Am I telling lies? <laughs> hey, Bobby Fish. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Bobby Fish, by the way, underrated Sopranos character. Um, you know, going to uh, Bobby Bacala, Bobby Fish over here. We're going to have one Bobby. I like Bacala. Uh, Bray Wyatt check-in. That is what I wrote down. I think we kind of did. <sighs> Boy, I got to tell you guys. Um, just as a fan, look, man, I don't hate everything. Like I will say that I like, you know, in an, in a, in a, in another assignment recently did some work with WWE. They could not have been nicer, um, and had a wonderful time. They're very cooperative. Great. So again, I, I want, I root for WWE. I'm a Northeast boy. They're the new England company. I pull for them. Um, and despite what people think about me, same. (laughs) And you know that I love Bray Wyatt. You know that I just from the couple times I got to see him work and one time I got to work directly with him. It was just me and him. And I was blown away just in that moment. I was like, I've never seen someone so dedicated just to such a short segment. It is just not. I just here's what I'll say is, wow, it must really be something when and I can I can speak to this. We're not at the point yet, but we're probably about a year away. And at the way the pace things are going, he may still be doing this in a year. But we're about a year away from my daughter being like, can we go to one of these things? And oh, man, I can't imagine the feeling of throwing down 200 bucks to see Bray Wyatt in a backstage for two and a half minutes on the Tron. And not come out and do anything. Sorry, they always talk about we're here to do business. I'm just that's just not good. And I mean, am I wrong? He's not working dark matches after the shows, right? Nope. Nobody has any footage of him or has mentioned anything. And by Uh, the way, safe to to say, WrestleMania is in like four months. Yeah, we're getting there. And I just want to say, too, that like, this is going to sound like such a dig. And I'm sorry. And it's a sound bitey thing. And yeah, everyone's going to jump all over me. But if I just had to pick it as an audience member, it would feel cooler being there during the isolated Grace Slick vocals to White Rabbit in the build than to watch him on the Tron maybe or maybe not back, be backstage. I mean, pieces not, of it have been brilliant. I'm sorry. Pieces of it have been mean, brilliant, but, but unfortunately, John, you're a, you're a professor, so you would understand this. Well, for now. This is, uh, this is like for an now, incredibly pal. smart student, a very brilliant student who is lazy and who is trying to make... I'm not got, touching you got to write a 20-page paper, I'm not and they just make the font bigger. That's what this is. It's just too much. Just a nope. quicker, faster, get to points. Do something. Rec- I just wanted on the record that I at no point in this episode refer to any student in any way whatsoever. <laughs> ending, ending, I'm going, I'm right. I'm ending this one on a good note. Um, but anyway, I will just say that uh, the, the gig, the teaching gig, I'll say, but I will just say that, yeah, it's like, I just, it's insane to me. It feels like this is Bray Wyatt. And it feels like a, you know, a nine or 10 o'clock crossover kind of mid Carter. That's just joining us every week. Do you week. think that they switched gears here? I, it feels like everything that they built up, all those secret you know, words and codes and things. Do, and do you think they, they switched directions? We have to acknowledge the real life thing that's going on, which is that Bray's uncle, Barry Wyndham is in very poor health, had a heart attack this week. Mm. And, so on one hand, I'll apologize right now. I'll say it's, it was in, in bad taste to single out someone who's going through a family thing. So yeah. for that, I apologize. Um, 
But I will say that that's the risk you run because a lot of the Uncle Howdy character paid a lot of visual and mm. characteristic tribute to Barry Windham. And it's like, that's the risk with long-term storytelling. And I just said all along, as, as Bruce will say, I want my Hulkster. I want my fun house as a fan. I want my firefly. I want my puppets. I want jokes that are about things going on in the world. I want little side, you know, God, think of all the stuff they could have done with the CM Punk situation and uh, Tony and just, and Vince and all Vince the little puppet? digs he could have. Yep. Yeah, like do we get like, a Triple gosh. H puppet now? Do we get a yeah, get exactly. A just like puppet? I just want it. Just go right to he comes out. I'm back, and then that Monday night at you know eight oh five in the middle of the first whoever's in the ring cut to we're really glad that yeah that's all I want. Give me my funhouse, you know, and yowie wowie. Oh my god, that's all I want. And then just have the fiend come out whenever the fuck, and that's just what we wanted. Well, John, I would, I would argue though, that none of this is Bray's fault. I think that on, I think on two levels, it's not Bray's fault. Number one, I think that there's a structure being placed in there by the, by the writers, by the people that are corralling this. And also if the bad ideas are indeed Bray's, well, then that's on the people around him to whittle them down to better ideas. And it's not one way or the other. It's not happening. Oh, I'm making a face right now. (laughs) <laughs> y'all know why that ain't just a wrestling thing and i think that's yep. a good good way to get out of this uh monday night raw airs mondays at eight on the usa network and friday night smackdown fridays at eight on fox now time for aew and sometimes why aew and sometimes why i'm just going to bring this up and get out of the way because i've seen the tweets that tommy's been making and i've seen the ones he's been liking i've seen your interactions with friends of ours and new friends of yours because you're kind of part of a new click on twitter um tell me uh, which click that is because i'd love to know that i'm part of a group of any kind well well y'all have something in common and uh regal cinemas isn't the only uh regal that's under fire right now (laughs) and maybe uh taking on water uh william regal is uh, taking a lot of heat from AEW fans, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Tommy, Mr. AEW. So, depending on who you believe, William Regal was under contract to AEW for either a year or three years. It's been disputed. Again, when the parties don't say it themselves, I always take that with a grain of salt. But supposedly he had a three-year contract. I think that was according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. And I think that uh, another outlet that we won't mention mentioned that he had a year contract. Whatever the case is, it appears that William Regal has been written off of television on AEW and is already in route to WWE. First of all, can we go back to that? Did I miss something or did MJF just hit him in the back with a forearm? Yeah. Was that it? (laughs) And now he's out. With the knucks. Oh, he had the knucks on. Yeah. That was, that was the kicker was the the nuts that Regal gave him by it. I apologize. Okay. Got it. That promo I had to watch twice to get the brilliance of it. So MJF partnered with William Regal to win the AEW world championship from John Moxley. Uh, John Moxley was originally under the tutelage of William Regal in the Blackpool combat club. So he was part of that group with Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. And isn't that uh, Ringo's new band is this touring band, right? Yes. The Blackpool combat yeah. club. Um, but at any rate, well, it, and it's going to be interesting. I have, Colin, to see. I have Colin. Hey, Sheila E. My son, Zach, three of I his backup musicians were just as good as Paul's band. 
pro wrestling tees is going to have to get rid of a lot of Blackpool Combat Club merchandise very quickly. So William Regal had to be written off of television, and they, I thought they wrote him off in a brilliant way. So MJF, who is less of a class, like he plays a classic heel, but he is a modern twist on it. And in the promo he had with William in, in the ring, Regal was in the ring to unveil uh, MJF's uh, hideous <laughs> AEW World Championship belt with the Burberry pattern on the leather. Uh, but I love that. I love that it's hideous. I think that that works for his character. Um, and we executed a turn where MJF, a heel, goes mega heel, turning on his mentor. So there was, in the past, William Regal had apparently turned down MJF when he worked for WWE as a talent relations person. Oh, yeah. And so they had a history in real life. That and then part they brought was great. that to the screen. It was fantastic. It was a great promo. Yeah. Because it was very real. So MJF cut a very long winded classic heel promo. Too classic for my taste. I didn't understand what he was doing. He cut this long promo in the old heel vein to lull Regal into a sense of security before he blasted him in the back of the skull with the knucks and, and wrote him off television. So that's my favorite been, thing in wrestling, by the way, is when someone inexplicably turns their back and starts walking away from someone mid conversation. Cause that's the thing that happens. Like you're at the mall and you're going to the next store. You know what I mean? That's all. That's how all back like sneak attacks happen. This, Why this are they was, turning around? This was played so <laughs> well, though. This was played yeah. so beautifully. And then so they had the been selling around. Okay. Th- they had right. been selling for weeks that Regal has legitimate health issues where he cannot get too physical in the ring and that any kind of action like that would severely oh, hurt okay. him. Got so it. they did a really good job. It wasn't just that. We, they had sold that for a couple of weeks that, that Regal, his health issues you know, have taken a toll on him and could potentially really hurt if something happened to him in the ring. So that way they wrote him off television. Great. Okay. So Tony Khan has allowed Regal to go. All right. There has been speculation. Maybe there was some kind of Triple H out clause where if Triple H was head of WWE that he could leave. I doubt that. Yeah. Immensely. Like, that again, is very dubious. William Regal got fired by Vince McMahon from right. NXT and WWE. It, it was a budget so, cut layoff. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So there's no like thing that like, you know, Okay, if, if Triple H like wins the election or something, it's like no one knew this big thing was going to come out. This is the the wrestling grifto spear in action, just oh putting all this bullshit out there. So there have been rumors that Regal wanted to leave because people weren't listening to him. Okay, Regal went to AEW in an on-air role. Does he have wrestling knowledge? A lifetime of wrestling knowledge is considered a wrestling mind that is is worth listening to sure but he was there to be on air talent and was, remember that was his co- definite role you're sure he wasn't there to help coach at all backstage we know that for you're positive about pause. that i mean I, I again i haven't seen his contract but all everything that i've read as far as what his role was it was on air what regal would do is what brian danielson and cm punk and others have done is he would make himself available to people who wanted to be tutored and some would take him up on it. I don't think Regal is putting that out there. I think, I, I think a lot of William Regal, I think he's a classy guy, and I don't think he's the one putting that out there. I think that might be the other side trying to make AEW look bad. 
But so there's a few things you have to consider with Regal. Number one, his son is at WWE. I 100% understand him wanting to go back, be able to mentor his son. And he's going back to WWE in an off-air capacity, supposedly. And I, believe, I do believe that there may be some language in his exit written that way. But Regal, whether he's on screen or off, I think he's great on screen, but he does have severe health problems. He doesn't look great. His hands are puffy. He looks like he's on a lot of medication. Regal has di- almost died. Are you saying he's British? No. <laughs> he's, he's clearly British, oh, okay. but Regal <laughs> has almost died several times. Sorry. He had a severe drug problem over the years. Mm-hmm. He had been let loose from promotions because of it. Um, he, ha- he contracted a heart parasite when, he, when WWE was in India. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, and he Ugh. almost died there. And he yeah. ended up, when he came back, he had lost like 60 pounds. Which, Shit, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. So Regal has had a really bad stretch of health. And I understand wanting to go back to an environment that is safe. And that your family is there. I totally get that. And I think TK was doing him a solid. I think that's what that was. TK? What gl- yes. I'm trying, wow. to get, I'm trying to get in tight with with. Duncan. We have listeners in Jacksonville. So I don't think Regal is the one putting this out there. But the, so the noise is being made that like, well, Regal was upset that people weren't coming to, uh, to, to listen to his tutelage. I don't, I don't buy that. And it, especially if it was open-ended. If you're just like, hey, I'm going to be down the ring if anybody wants to. Well, you can't get mad if only five or six people show up. No, you're happy the five or six people showed up and you work with them. You're not upset that everybody's not there. And I will say there is in AEW, there is an element, and I understand this element because I'm, I'm kind of of the same mind. There are a lot of people in AEW who are straight edge. And a lot of straight edgers do not want to take advice from someone who, is, who has substance abuse issues. Another reason we would be great at AEW TK, since I guess Tom knows you somehow. Yeah, keep mocking me. I'm definitely going to get that job. But I'm at not any rate, mocking you. <laughs> at any I'm rate, mocking us. I don't think William Regal put that out there. I don't know who did, but whoever no. did is clearly trying to harm AEW. So I doubt, it, I doubt it came from AEW, and AEW sources have refuted this. So I, I think there's a lot of bullshit out there. I don't think, I don't think that... William Regal is some kind of like over the top, like diva esque guy. That, well, these guys aren't working with me. I'm not, I, I don't believe that at all. I don't I like to I, imagine him that way though. He's a very humph British guy. Yeah. He's, he's British, but he ain't posh. Well, let he me ask you this that guy is, he is a fighter from when he was a child. Before we move on to the next thing, let me ask you this. If there was a big fight backstage that we don't know about William Regal, did someone throw a Corgi? <laughs> okay. Moving on. Uh, Jade Cargill. Jade's been making the rounds. And yeah, I, Jade has a new best friend. And that is? Trinity Fatu, formerly known oh as Naomi. And very publicly. Talking yeah. about it on Twitter. What do we think? What's going on there? Yeah, do we think... Uh, you, you've seen all the speculation, Tommy. Do we think Sasha Banks is going to AEW or WWE? Oh, oh you mean Mercedes Varnado? Who oh, just went out me. and took all the... She took all of the... Con, like, all of the... Uh, copyrights that she could as far as Mercedes Varnado and anything surround like all these different catchphrases involving her name something's up something's up it's not that's not by accident you don't go and make a bunch of copyright claims be- just to troll the internet like you're doing it for business and she's a businesswoman well i think there's something there and i also i mean you know 
This is my long shot conspiracy theory thing. Ooh. I think I think that I think there's another WWE person that may have talked to AEW, but you know I won't get too much into it because we can't see him. Um, but I do want to say, speaking of not seeing, um, Tom, I hate hate to have to do this to you, but man, some low ratings there for AEW. I mean, we're just like eight hundred thousand, man. That's uh. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone at AEW or any AEW fan is excited about those ratings. I don't think that they're necessarily a gigantic problem. This is a really bad time of year for TV. A lot of people are busy. A lot of people are running around for the holidays and there's all kinds of kids recitals at school and buying presents. I mean, it's just, it's a bad time for television and television ratings are all over the place and they have been for both wrestling companies and most television in general, but well, I don't, that I don't is, think it's a huge concern. I think it's a blip. That Can is I fair. Two, I mean, there's. I do want to ask two questions from that, Tommy. One, do you think if CM Punk were still there, they'd still be having ratings problem? Two, does this speak to MJF can't carry ratings as oh. as the title holder? I'm not no, making I, an I, assumption. I'm just asking those two questions. I think CM Punk would have absolutely no. He wouldn't have made any difference at all, and okay. I don't think MJF is a non-drawing champion. I think that it's it's way too early to tell on that. Okay, but don't um, you think MJF maybe needs a, someone like kind of a monster, someone kind of big to stand up to him? And well, one dr- one thing I know that MJF some needed mainstream is attention. That I need he needed to get away from Regal. Like there's no. So when, when someone is as good on the mic as MJF is, you don't need a mouthpiece and you don't need a mentor. He needs to stand on his own. Uh, and it, I don't know if you've noticed, but he is kind of modeling his current character a little bit on old rock. I mean, if you watch some of the stuff he's doing in the ring and if yeah. you see the way he's, he's structuring his promos, it's very like heel rock 99 ish. I, hear, I see a little Kurt Angle in there, too. Like when Kurt Angle, I see a little bit of that just being better than everybody. I see that. But yeah, I get. But that's why I was thinking, like, you know, why not just let him go with it? Why not let him be the heelish baby face? But I don't know. I guess, you know, what it's, they do, it's but. so early in his run. And I, I just think that he was filming something the week after he won the championship. So he literally couldn't be on TV because he was filming that Von Erich movie that he's going to be in. Oh, that's and, right. And so he was off TV for now, that first week. I got to say, but that to me is weird that like, he's a guy that's so about staying kayfabe and he's going to be in a movie. It's like, remember Suburban Commando and the Undertakers in Suburban, Suburban Commando is this Hulk Hogan movie that came out in late 91. And the program at the time was Hulk Hogan Undertaker for Survivor Series. I think, right? It was like late 91. Mm-hmm. And then Hulk Hogan's in it, basically playing Hulk Hogan from outer space. And then one of the henchmen in the movie is Mark Calloway. So I go, so I'm supposed to sit and watch superstars and challenge at 11 and 12 and believe this and then go to the movies and see the undertaker talk at one point, uh, with a balloon voice with a helium <laughs> voice. I don't know. Hey John, just, it's don't, don't forget that Kevin me. Nash was once super shredder. That's in, true. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the secret of the ooze. Teenage um, Mutant Ninja Turtles created in New Hampshire. I might add. So. But remember though, MJF is using this movie thing. In his storyline, he is offering it up as an option. It's like, hey, if AEW doesn't want to pay me, WWE will. And if they both can't pay me what I want, Hollywood will. He's using it. I, I, Someone needs to tell him about the writer's strike, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
please keep wrestling. <laughs> that would be my advice. Well, as like, as we know, John, most wrestling fans don't quite understand the entertainment industry. It they all think circles they do. back. It all yep. circles back to what we talked about. We should stay in our own pools, I guess. And AEW Dynamite airs Wednesday nights at 8 on TBS and Rampage Friday, usually at 10 on TNT. But again, it's crazy basketball season. So check your local listings. And I believe that does it for what I thought was a really good episode, you guys. Yeah. Julie, thanks for playing her today. Oh, that was fantastic. Man. I'm here. I'm here. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating. Make sure you tick our talk. We are at Turnbuckles Pod on TikTok and at Turnbuckles Pod on Instagram. And go check us out on YouTube where you can check out full episodes. And until next week, see ya, Buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.